late night anger management class. I am Marenzi. We're breaking it down. Sirius XM 204. Shout out to all of our 8 AM radio affiliates, digital platforms, and everybody else in between. We're all fired up. It's almost sports overload. We've got the uh, NFL playoffs. The NBA uh, regular season goes on. But, of course, uh, the deck was reshuffled. And everybody's buying in, man. Everybody's buying in. Most of the handicappers that we talk to like this uh, from a Brooklyn Net perspective. Uh, obviously, the odds makers like this from a Brooklyn Net uh, perspective. Uh, we'll see what Scoop Jackson thinks about this. We'll see what Pete Annapolis thinks about this. I am not overly enamored uh, with this. If if everybody was like a normal person, right? If everybody was like normal, then I could live with this. And you look at LeBron James, Chris Bosh, and Dwayne Wade. All three of them are all sane people, all right? And I'm not a fan of all three of them. And you can guess which one in order that I like and dislike, but I'll tell you Chris Bosh is at the top of the damn list. Um, but Chris Bosh isn't insane, all right? He's a big whatever, diva. He's like a big phony, but he's not insane, okay? LeBron James is not insane. Dwayne Wade is not insane. Um, Kyrie Irving, and, you know, as I stated, I'm not trying to be derogatory, but, you know, Kyrie Irving is not all there, all right? And whether, you know, and whether what his intentions are, and I've said it a million times, Kyrie Irving's not a bad guy, all right? He's not a bad person, but, you know, his commitment to basketball and his commitment to his teammates and his team can obviously be questioned. I mean, let's just be He quit on the Boston Celtics in the playoffs, right? He quit on them. Uh, now he's quitting on these guys already right now. And I don't know. I seem to be one of the few people that thinks that James Harden's like an overbloated, overrated stat hog monster that can never win anything for real. Like, I don't, I, I just don't buy into it. I don't believe in him. I don't trust him. I, I would rather have like 58 other guys than him, if not more than him on my basketball team. I think he's the one of the worst people to have on your team. And in fact, he probably is the worst. Like, I think he's the biggest, worst locker room guy besides Gilbert Arenas. And sorry, Gilbert, I love you, but James Harden's never pulled a gun on a teammate in the room before. <laughs> At least Harden doesn't pull a gun. He's not in the room to, to, to get into an argument. <laughs> Bring it. <laughs> You're listening to the home of the winning edge. It's easy to get. Just keep it here. Get on the grid. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. There are 24 hours in every day. 1,440 minutes. 86,400 seconds. And we still have trouble squeezing all this glorious sports talk in. Have you thought about maybe sleeping less? This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. That's the dumbest bet I ever heard of. I disagree. I disagree. Late Night Anger Management Class, this is Sports Rage. I am... Gable Marenzi, Sirius XM 204, and more. Kicking it. <clears throat> Get on the grid. Sports Grid Radio Networks. We're jam-packed. We've got a lot of guests uh, tonight. 
Uh, time just flew. Level one flew by with Teddy. Teddy Cover, sportsmemo.com, the legendary Teddy Savransky. Great story about Paul Bovey sending him a... Um, an envelope with no return address saying, Teddy covers, your picks suck. But it was really a $100 gift card from Starbucks. Um, so, yeah, that was a pretty good story. So, we're talking about how hard is it to beat a team three times in a season. Depends on how far we want to go back. But if we go back to the 1970 NFL merger, there have been 21 times where a team swept a team in a regular season and then played a third time in the playoffs. The team that swept in a regular season, 14-7. and seven. All right, so kind of throws out, it's amazing, like there's perception of reality, and you always have these sort of cliches and myths. Oh, it's hard to beat a team three times. Well, it actually isn't, as we see, at least in the National Football League. And I tell you what, I bet you these numbers are even bigger in college, actually, even more one-sided in college basketball. Um, all right, so it is worth noting in four of the 21 uh, games, the sweeping team was on the road in the postseason. All right, so four times only. So basically, it's, this only happened 21 times, going back to 1970, 1970, the year I was born, actually. Um, but the 17 times that the team played at home, the home team is 12 and five. 12 and five. So that puts the um, that puts the Tampa Bay Buccaneers up against it as far as the historical perspective uh, is concerned. And I don't know if you're buying into this. Is it an anomaly or whatnot? But Tom Brady is now 0-8 against the spread in his last uh, eight night games. There, I don't know. I said earlier about Jared Goff, he's only played two games in the cold. It's not enough to have like a legitimate, oh, that he can't play in the cold. But, you know, 0-8. 0-8. I don't know. We talked about it last week. Tom Brady goes to bed at 8.30 now, he says. But... I don't. I don't think it's that he's actually fatigued. I don't. I don't know. Is it an anomaly? Is it just some random number? If somebody has a legitimate reason, feel free to tell me. But the fact is, and listen, this game's not at 8:40 at night Eastern, right? It's not at 8:15, but it is the night game. It is the Sunday night game, and this game will play on till about you know 10 o'clock. It starts at what 6:40 Eastern. And if, if, if the game before that is going on still, then, you know, they'll wait a couple of minutes even. So this game will be at nighttime. We can call this game a primetime game. That's, where, that's what I'm getting at. We can call this a primetime game. So I want you to share those numbers. We talked about it earlier. Uh, the, home team is, um, the home team is 12 and 5 in the rematch, in the third game. And they've won by an average of 5.8 points, which would cover the number. Now, Teddy, I just want to, you know, throw some of these numbers uh, at you. Uh, Teddy Covers was talking about teams that do not cover. Teams that do not cover but win outright in the playoffs. The, the following week, all right, how do they do? So since realignment, fading NFL playoff teams that won straight up but failed to cover against the spread, 25-8 and 8 and 15-17. and 17 against the spread. An interesting angle uh, right there. Yet, I am a trend backer, but I believe in trends more. All right, I believe in trends more in the regular season. In the regular season, there's patterns to it. The playoffs, yeah, 
the playoffs comes down to who's going to make a mistake, which running back gets hot, which offensive line's on fire, and you sort of have to throw everything out in the playoffs. You know, but there are historical playoff trends. So since realignment in 2002, um, playoff teams, playoff teams that uh, gave up 30 or more points are six and ten straight up. But they're seven and nine against the spread uh, the following week. So we could go on. There's a million of uh, these trends, but let's not speak about hypotheticals. Let's get into some facts. Let's talk facts right now, now that we're two nights into the National Hockey League uh, regular season. And we had a million games uh, on the ice uh, tonight. So last night, it was 3-2 and two to the over. It was 3-2 and two to the over. Now this evening, this evening, you know, I don't think it was like dominant on one side uh, or the other. So Washington and Buffalo went over. New Jersey and Boston went under. The Rangers and the uh, Islanders went under. Carolina and Detroit goes under. That's three and one to the under. Nashville, Columbus, four and one to the under. Calgary and Winnipeg goes over, four and two to the over. Edmonton, Vancouver goes over, four and three to the, uh, to the under. Uh, the game goes over um, in, in Arizona. Of course it does because I had Arizona to win and they lose in a shootout. So I'm now 0 and three in shootouts and overtime this year. God, I hate that. It's the one thing, man. It's not even funny anymore. Like, I don't lose extra inning games all the time. You know what I mean? Like, this, it's a weird anomaly, guys. I do not win in overtime or a shootout in hockey. I don't. And I've taught anyone who listens to the show, watched the show for years, knows this. And it's, uh, it's started again. It's same crap started again. Last night, the Montreal Canadiens blow a two-goal lead. It's an overtime. Daniel has a, a breakaway. Uh, a nine-year-old kid would have had a better attempt than this jackass did. Of course, he doesn't score, then we lose. Boom. The Leafs score. Bam. Loser. First night, all right, lose. There's an overtime loss. Tonight, I have the New Jersey Devils plus, two and a, uh, plus 165, man. It's 2-2. They had like 16 chances in the last minute, all right? The one-armed man from the fugitive would have put the puck in the net, but the devil's forwards couldn't. And then of all people, Brad Marchand has to score the game winner in the shootout, so that made it open too. That just made me want to puke. And uh, now I see Arizona loses in a shootout. Of course they did. Like, for the love of God. And I don't want to hear anyone tell me you should bet the regulation line. All right, so it's four and four now as far as the totals. Vegas, baby. We laid the puck and a half with Vegas. Vegas gets it done. So that's five and four to the over. Kings and Wild go over the number. That's six and four to the over. So six and four to the over tonight. Three and two to the uh, to the over last night. So what are we at? We're at uh, nine, uh, nine and six. Nine and six to the over through 15 games. Now, I think there's a bigger trend, though, developing here as far as over one and a half in the first period is concerned. All right, so Washington at Buffalo goes over one and a half in the first period. Boston and New Jersey does not. That's one and one. The Islanders and the Rangers goes over in the first period. I, I hit the under of that game. They scored three goals in the first period, but it's just, it still stayed under. But it went over in the first period. All right, Carolina and Detroit did not. That's two, uh, that's two and two. Carol, uh, Columbus and Nashville did not. 
So that's uh, three and two, no. Three and two under. Calgary, Winnipeg goes over in the first, so that's three and three. Vancouver and Edmonton goes over in the first, that's four and three. San Jose and Arizona goes over in the first, that's five and three. Anaheim and Vegas goes over in the first, that's six and three. Minnesota and Los Angeles goes over in the first period, seven and three. First period overs. And this, this is not a pattern that's going to stop suddenly. So you notice, even though the games didn't skyrocket all over the number, there were early goals in these games. So seven and three. And let's, uh, since we're getting really official here with our database, last night, Pittsburgh and Philadelphia over eight and three. Montreal and Toronto over the first period, nine and three. Chicago and Tampa went over 10 and three. Vancouver and Edmonton did not 10 and four. Um, St. Louis and Colorado did 11 and four. First period over, one and a half goals in the NHL, 11 and four for two nights. There's some late night anger information. Alex B. Smith steps up and in. Bring it. You're listening to the Sports Grid Radio Network, doing our part to spread the winning edge nationwide. Get on the grid. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. So many sports. So many memories. So many players. So many teams. So many great matchups. So many... Possibilities. Now, are you really gonna pass all that up? This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. The late night anger management class continues, as does the National Hockey League regular season. And man, does it uh, feel good to say that. Let's bring in a man that breaks it down on a daily basis. Senior NHL analyst at Odds at USA, co-host of the Ice Guys, and of uh, course, throwing it down over at Covers.com on the Covers Experts page. Alex B. Smith steps up and in. What's going on, Alex? Happy hockey season. How you doing, my man? Yeah, happy hockey season to you as well. I mean, I'm doing wonderful. I'm here in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota. There's a bunch of snow uh, out on the, on, the, on the ground. And, you know, it's just it feels like hockey season all over again. It, it, it's wonderful. You know, uh, the first night was, was impressive. And like I said, we got a whole week. And now I love this format. Everybody has kind of been up and down on you know, what their thoughts are with the 56-game schedule and, you know, everybody just playing within the division. But we're going to see a lot of rivalry matchups. Uh, you know, we're going to see these teams, even teams that don't play each other that often, they're probably going to develop some bad blood. Look at the Chicago and Tampa Bay opening night. Uh, the way that Lightning got all over the Blackhawks. And, you know, maybe the Hawks would, you know, take some revenge, uh, you know, going out. Uh, you know, and coming up on Friday, and, and like I said, it's just going to be a lot of fun, a lot of interesting spots all over the league. 
It really is. And one thing I'll say, I love it. I love it. And we had uh, Coach Barry Melrose on the other night. We were talking about how sort of reminds us of the old uh, original six days. Same games, just beating the crap out of each other and building a hate. And that's the, that's the thing about hockey, guys. This isn't basketball where everybody hugs each other and fist bumps before games. It takes two, three games. Or I should say it takes about two, three shifts before it's like, yeah, I don't really like that guy. I don't like this team. And then after, you know, two, three games, it's full out uh, hate. And very interesting dynamics. Let me ask you about this. So classic example, um, Ottawa and Toronto, not known as, you know, one of the storied franchise, you know, storied rivalries of, you know, NHL history, but they freaking hate each other, all right, bro? <laughs> like, the Leafs, the Leafs and the Senators hate each other. They're going to be playing each other nine times. Now, I, yeah, people are asking, all right, what, what's a good hockey betting strategy? So I'd like to get a couple of strategies from you, but I've told people in hockey, don't be afraid of betting the underdog. And... I love these these situations in which classic examples. So we're going to have the Leafs and the Senators going back to back in Ottawa, guys. The Leafs are going to be big favorites in both games, Alex. Yeah. If you take the Senators in both games, they hit once, you show a profit. They hit twice, man, you strike gold. What's your take on this when we have these back-to-backs? And I'm not saying, listen, Chicago are overmatched right now against Tampa, but in some of these rivalry series, you know, good examples last year in the playoffs, it's like the the Montreal Canadiens and the Philadelphia Flyers. Every damn game, the Montreal Canadiens were like plus 150 or plus 160 or so. You know, they were a little higher in the series. The series won seven games. So it's like, yeah, I lost, but, you know what I mean? Like, I took the Canadians all seven times, but I I show a profit. What's your feeling on that? Are you willing to bet on underdogs early in the season? Oh, absolutely. I I look for underdogs throughout the year. Like I said, there's different spots. Obviously, you don't blind bet uh, yes, yes. You know, any underdogs, but yeah, but there's definitely some spots, uh, you know, and, and like I said, the Toronto Ottawa that that's a rivalry, like I said, a bit of a quiet rivalry in the league, but uh, you know, it will see that kind of spark up and, and a lot of different, and even just the fact that all these ga- all these teams are playing their games in either two th- the game segments or three game segments so you're going to have like i said that that rapid revenge uh angle for a lot of different teams uh and, and so that's definitely something i'll be i'll be zeroing in on but at the same time you might see like i said some teams will just be completely overmatched and it won't matter yeah, that yeah. they're playing uh you know the uh, night later or having a that gap in between 
so don't be afraid to look for, you know, uh, to back a, a team, you know, the same night. Don't think it's going to just be all zigzag like we see, like you said, like in the NBA, for example. Well, Alex B. Smith uh, joining us, covers.com. Uh, so, uh, Alex, uh, you know, night one, I was, I wondered about the, uh, the, the Pittsburgh and Philadelphia line. And I thought that Philadelphia should have been favorites, you know, minus 125, minus 130 or so. I bet them, I got them at like minus 105. The Pittsburgh Penguins ended up closing as the favorites, despite the fact that Philadelphia are the heavily hyped team coming into the year. So they play again, and I see a pick them up on the board. So th- this is the examples that I'm talking about. Aren't Philadelphia the better hockey team? What are you expecting in the second matchup between these two teams? Yeah, it's interesting. So I was on Philly in that first game, and I actually bet it when the Lions opened. You know, we had a, a weird scenario where the Lions are actually open a lot earlier for opening night and, and the Thursday night games, you know, four or five days before time. Uh, so I grabbed Philly at one twenty minus one twenty, thinking that that line was going to go up. Like you said, I thought they should have been favored around a dollar thirty, dollar thirty five. I wasn't expecting it to go the other way, but then at the same time, you do have to remember that Pittsburgh's kind of a public team uh, as far as betting in the NHL. Obviously, everybody knows Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. You know their, their pedigree of winning year after year, so they do kind of tend to draw a bit more money. Uh, you know, both teams made critical mistakes in that first game. Uh, it makes sense that it would be a pick em price here. And I, I would actually probably lean with Pittsburgh in this spot because of the fact that they kind of beat themselves in that second and third period of that game. I, I think Philly's the better team, but I would not be shocked to see uh, Pittsburgh come out, you know, guns blazing and maybe get an early jump uh, and even that series up. Uh, one thing, Alex, it seems like history repeats itself uh, every year in the National Hockey League uh, before the season starts as far as the media and the fans are concerned. Edmonton always gets heavily hyped. And, you know, I know, you know, you're originally from Chicago, so you know all about the Oilers and the Blackhawks series, but... Oh, there's no way in how the Oilers lose. The Oilers are going to kill them. Oh, there's no way the Oilers lose opening night. Yeah, they're going to beat Vancouver. They've got Connor McDavid. They've got Drysdale. Yeah, and that's all that they have. Right. And they consistently, <laughs> they consistently underachieve uh, all the time. But now I've got my eye on Colorado. You know, everybody just sort of anointed Colorado as the new it kid and the new team to beat. They were heavily hyped last year in the playoffs. They fell short. I thought, you know what, they're going to be really hungry, motivated, focused coming into the year, and they get punched in the mouth in the first game by the St. Louis Blues. 
Yeah, you know, Colorado, the team, it, it's interesting because in that opening night game, they lost 4-1. to one. Uh, the comments after that, they pretty much kind of, you know, admitted that they were, you know, reading their own kind of press clippings. And, you know, they said feeling kind of uh, high on themselves and thinking they could just walk in and, and just take, you know, make a light work of the St. Louis Blues. But this is a Blues team. I forget. They won the Cup two years ago. They still got a lot of, uh, of solid key pieces. They added a great piece to Tory Krug. He's going to really help on that blue line. Uh, and they've got some, you know, young up-and-coming guys where they're going to have some balance and depth and scoring. Uh, so this is a, a Blues team that I think will be right in the mix with Colorado and Vegas in that Western Division. Uh, but I think we see more of an inspired Colorado performance, uh, you know, in, in this next matchup. I would probably be looking at taking the over. Uh, I'm seeing sixes pop up, uh, shaded to the under. But I would not be shocked to see a back-and-forth kind of battle. Like I said, the goaltending is a little questionable for Colorado at times as well. So, uh, you know, if the Blues jump out early, Colorado might have, you know, a little energy to come back. Well, I tell you what, we've been doing pretty good in the National Hockey League. It's still early, but one of my losses was Colorado. And I knew it, Alex. I knew it. I'm like, you know, I'm taking, like, I'm taking underdogs. I'm taking the Vancouver Canucks at plus money, the Canadians at plus money. And I'm like, yeah, I'm laying 55 cents with the abs. I knew it. (laughs) We're just talking about, like, don't be scared. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Anger Management Class continues. We're kicking it. Sirius XM Channel 204. Get on the grid. The Sports Grid Radio Networks. I am Gable Morenci. Uh, we're breaking down the blockbuster deal that went down yesterday in the NBA. And when you're talking about blockbuster deals in the NBA, there's only one man that we want to break it down with. The legendary Scoop Jackson steps up and in. Scoop, it's been too long, my man. How you doing? Thanks a lot for taking the time to be with us. I'm good, Gabe. I'm doing well. How you been doing, man? Happy New Year to you, partner. Hey, any day above ground is a good day, right, Scoop? So hey, I'm taking yeah, it, it one well, day at a time, uh, bro. <laughs> no, nah, I mean, it's, it's a, any day above ground is a good day to be alive. That doesn't necessarily make it be a good day. We can't just settle for, you know, existence <laughs> being a good day. <laughs> As a, as a betting man, I'm all too aware, Scoop. As a, as a man right. who bets every day, yes, I, I'm aware. Right. We don't want to set the bar. We don't want to set the bar too low. So listen, you've had exactly. time to unpack exactly. this. Exactly. You've had time to unpack this deal uh, right now, Scoop. What's your uh, what's your take on it? Twenty four hours later, I still kind of feel the same way. Once I, you know, still feel the same way I did probably twenty three or twenty two hours later. You know, after really looking at what all was involved in the deal, once the deal got flushed out and who got what, I, I'm one of those people that look at it as a, you know, it kind of worked at least right now in this moment for everybody on every side. I don't know if there's any clear winner on this. I really don't see any losers on this. Even even for Cleveland's sake, sake uh, Cleveland got a stockpile of big men. You know, you look at them getting Jared Allen and they got Andre Drummond and all that and the other, so they got a bunch of 
big men, but come trade deadline, they may have value as far as teams looking at looking, hey, we need a big in here. If we're trying to win the championship, we need a big if we're trying to make a deep run in the playoffs. Who has bigs? All right, Cleveland now has assets. So you may see from Cleveland's standpoint the trade working out for them because they may be the go-to team that other playoff and finals run teams may be looking at to try to make deals with. So I think they even came up strong. I think, you know, Victor Oladipo is a good look for Houston, you know, to compete, to complete what they have going on there and not lose James Harden and not get anything in return. If Victor Oladipo stays healthy and is consistent, he can fit in nice, you know, alongside John Wall and they still got the two bigs there and Christian Woods and DeMarcus Cousins, you know, once he gets back to mentally and physically getting back in shape, they still have Eric Gordon, you know, they still have P.J. Tucker. They're still in the mix. I'm not saying they're in the championship mix, but they weren't in the championship mix with James Harden there. So you got a decent, decent, very decent 20-point-a-game score in return for James Harden. Everything else that came with it from Brooklyn's side as far as draft picks and draft swaps, and, you know, so it looks good on that end, and it looks good from Brooklyn. You know, you were able, because I think of then when he being injured, I think that really was the greatest benefit for Brooklyn because he wouldn't, he didn't become a part of this trade, and I think he would have been had he been healthy. But you got James Harden without losing Kyrie Irving or Spencer Dinwiddie, and I hate to say this, now depending on what the Kyrie situation is, he becomes a possible draft or trade asset for you. If, you know, it's starting looking in the next year because you lose a lot of first-round draft points from Brooklyn's standpoint. But if it doesn't work out and things don't work out well with Kyrie, he becomes trade for you. That's good because now you can build upon James Harden, Kevin Durant, Drissel Dinwiddie, and whatever you get in return for Kyrie Irving, which I know is going to be a replacement for some of those first-round draft picks you sold to get James Harden in the first place. So you can get two first-round draft picks and another player in return for Kyrie Irving, and you still got Dinwiddie, Harden, and Durant to deal with. So I think it worked out all around. Scoop Jackson kicking with us uh, on uh, Sports Rage Late Night. I am Gabriel Morenci. So, man, you know, we can spend hours talking about Kyrie, but where does Kyrie fit in all of this? I don't know. Are the reports true that he doesn't like uh, Steve Nash? And I've almost got to buy in because Nash isn't hiding it and saying, I don't know what's going on. He doesn't talk to me. And I don't know about his relationship with Kevin Durant right now, but Scoop, we're only a couple of weeks into this thing, man. And Kyrie, of course, was going to retire as a Boston Celtic. He's from Jersey. He wanted to be here, but did he wanted to share the spotlight with James Harden as well? And, you know, what about the chemistry issue right now in Brooklyn? Can this thing work? And do you think Steve Nash is going to make it through the year? Because I'm not convinced yeah, he I will. Think Steve, I thought it was a strange yeah, I, No, I, I think Steve Nash will make it through the year. I think with Dan Tony being there, you know, and, and Guy Steve as far as giving him expertise from a head coaching standpoint. And I think even Jacques Vaughn being there also – I'm not saying that they are taking a backseat to Steve Nash, but they believe in Steve Nash and having this opportunity. And I can't see the organization and even Sean Marks, especially with his relationship with Steve Nash, and he's going to have to be the one to do it, to fire him, even though he's not an owner, but he's the one that bought Steve Nash in. I can't see him giving up on a friend that, that they had a relationship beforehand that they bought him in, and that's the reason Steve Nash is there, for him to get rid of him, you know, or not have him finish out at least one season. I, I just don't see any of that happening on this end. And I I, and I don't really fall into the belief of the reports 
that Kyrie and Steve don't have a relationship and don't get along. And they may not be on the same page right now, but I don't think they don't get along. I don't think they have the same vision. You know, I really do believe in looking at the timeline and it's that Kyrie's situation, which he's probably been, I know he's been in contact with Sean Marks because Sean Marks actually said that. And not that we have to believe everything that comes out of everybody's mouth, but I do believe that he's been in contact with certain players and with Sean Marks on why he's, not able to play. And looking at the timeline and on the little bit I do know about Kyrie from the relationship I do have with him, it's, his, his mind is not in the right place because of everything that's going on around in the space we're in, we call America right now. And it, right now, it's difficult for him to compartmentalize the importance of playing basketball, even though that is your choice to do for a living right now in this moment and him giving them 100%. When his mind and his soul are elsewhere. Some people can deal with situations like this and function. Some people know it is not in their best interest to try to function in this space. Look, I know people that are surgeons, that are doctors. I know people that are lawyers that because of everything going on have stepped away from what they're doing because of the gravity of what we have going on and the weight of it all and how it directly affects their lives and all of our lives can't function right now. So they've stepped away. They've taken some bad. Like, I can't function right now. I can't do surgery. I can't take patients. You know, I can't take clients. You know, so I put Kyrie in the same boat, especially if you look at the history and how this really means something to him. If you look at all the verbiage and not just verbiage, but all the activity and behavior and the character things that he did while everybody else was in the bubble. You know, basketball is in this stage right now, especially after what went on last week. And you can correlate everything that happened on Capitol, at the Capitol last week, as far as the insurgents and all that. And the attack on our democracy that happened last week. And you can directly relate what Kyrie Irving said. I'm checking out of basketball right now. Because basketball right now is bullshit as far as he's concerned. You know, we have bigger things in mind. And I need to get in the root and in the minutia of all of this while this is going on. So, you know, asking me to play basketball right now is, is not a good thing because I'm only going to be giving 50% because my mind is elsewhere. My soul is elsewhere. My heart is elsewhere. So that's where I think he's coming from. I think in conversation with Sean Marks, Sean Marks, okay, I can, I, can, I can respect that. I may disagree with it, but that's not me. But I know you, and I have to respect it, and I will respect that. So take your time. You know, everybody's not like that. So I think there's an understanding that that's where he is right now. And let him be him, because in all honesty, to me, for us to not act like what's going on in our society and from a social standpoint is not greater then what we're doing for a living, then we're being naive to what really is going on in this situation. So I'm not going to be the one to look outside of this and judge Kyrie Irving's relationship with Steve Nash, judge his relationship with the game of basketball, judge his relationship with the NBA, judge his relationship with the New York, I mean, with the uh, Brooklyn Nets, and come to a final conclusion. Knowing that I'm thinking what his decision is and where his mind is right now is rooted in something that's greater than basketball and his career and his commitment to a basketball team. Scoop Jackson with us. And, you know, Scoop, you know, there's, there's a lot there uh, to unpack about what you talked about. But, you know, something that George Hill brought up the other night when the NBA said, yeah, you know what, don't have your family, don't visit anybody, you know, basically self-isolate 24-7. And I liked what, and I and and I get it. I am all for safety, but I like what George Hill said. He goes, you know, man. He goes, if things are this damn bad, maybe we shouldn't be playing. <laughs> and exactly. It's kind of like, 
You know what I mean? And let's be real, too. Let's look at this NBA season. I love the NBA to death, Scoop, but this season sucks, bro. The players are beaten down every damn day. You don't know who's playing. The schedule is crazy. Of all years, they decide to start, like, threatening people with fines if they're going to load manage. This is the damn year that they actually need uh, to load manage. Right. Coaches are in a tough situation, rolling out, you know, the rosters that they have to. It's, you know, I get it. It's it's a tough spot for everybody right now. So, Scoop, one aspect of the deal that we didn't talk about, let's talk about the Pacers and yeah. and them getting Karis LeVert. I'm a big Man. Karis LeVert fan, bro. I'm a yep. Michigan fan, so I know Karis from his college days. Um, I lived in New York. I love Karis going to Brooklyn Net games. And I told people, Karis LeVert can drop 25 a game. Like, you put Karis LeVert on Sacramento or another team, you let the kid shoot all night. You know, Scoop, he's going to put up big numbers. You yep. put him in, in this structured system with the Pacers, I don't know, maybe 20 a game type thing. But, man, you look at the roster mm. that this team has right now. Fun basketball team. I like what the Pacers did here. And I apologize. That's on me because I forgot to include that. And outlining, you know, breaking down the trade. But the, the Indiana component is also why I feel so good that everybody won in this. And that's maybe the biggest reason is because you lose Victor Oladipo, you know, especially with his connection with Indiana University. He was big for the Indiana basketball culture there because, you know, he came that he already had connections to Indiana before he even got to the NBA. But you get in return basically a more consistent version of Victor Oladipo, you know, and carries Levert. And now you align him with, you know, Sabonis. And, look, you have a one-two punch that can be on any given night on par with the one-two punch that, you know, they have in Dallas with Porzingis and, and Luka as far as production is concerned and as far as impact is concerned. And now you don't have to rely on T.J. Warren to score 50 against Jimmy Butler in order for your team to succeed. Now you have time for Miles Turner to have growth and do what he wants to do. And we're saying all this without even mentioning who may be the powerful time best player on the team, and that's Malcolm Brogdon. You have a yep, team yep. that on paper, putting together, you have three easy 20-point-a-game scores in Brogdon, Carriers, and Sabonis. You have defense because they all, to some point, are committed to defensive uh, uh, assignments and defensive energy and defensive strategies, what you need to win, especially in the East. Not that everybody plays great defense, but you add, you know, what they're able to do defensively to what, you know, Miles Turner brings to the table as far as being a defensive anchor at the big spot. You have that. You know, you have a team that nobody really wants to outshine anybody else. So everybody's fair with what they're going to try to try to do. And I think in hearing rumors of what I heard that Oladipo was having some issues adjusting to the fact that some bonus was slowly – becoming the face of the team when they handed over the reins, the face of the team to him once Paul George left, and he thought that was going to be him. But then Sabonis came in and kind of played himself into that. So he had, from what I understand, he had a problem. You know, he, that was challenging for him. Karis LeVert is not going to have that problem, but he's going to give you the same production. So I say all that to say is what you have is a team right now that once the NBA takes a break in March to reassess, and possibly continue this season, we may have a team that we're going to start talking about competing against the Philadelphias, competing against the Miami, competing against the Boston, competing against the Milwaukee's for, you know, run 
of the Eastern Conference Championship. I think they have it all there. And the only reason I say that is because of what they got in return in that trade, in that part in the trade that got James Harden to Brooklyn. You know, for you to lose Victor Oladipo and get a carry for Levert in return, it's beautiful. Scoop Jackson. Scoop, we could talk ball all night. We definitely won't take so long to do this again. I know you're busy. Thanks a lot for taking the time to be with us, my man. Anytime, my man. Good talk to you. We'll talk soon. As you continue listening to Sports Grid, ask yourself and be honest. Am I listening? Enough. Probably not. 16 hours a day. That's all we ask. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. As long as you can remember. There's only ever been one thing in your life that's been there for you. It's meant memory, family, friends. And yeah, we'll say it. Fun. Welcome to your home for talking sports. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. Like that anger management class, this is Sports Ridge. I am Gable Brancy. Throwing it down. Great stuff with Scoop Jackson and Alex B. Smith. Um, so. You know, very interesting comments uh, from Scoop uh, Jackson as far as as far as Kyrie Irving is concerned, and as far as Kyrie's um, Kyrie's mindset uh, right now, and where Kyrie is at. Um, the thing is with Kyrie Irving, and I don't, I, I do respect Kyrie Irving. I think he does have a social conscience. He has always been vocal about this stuff. It's not new. So, like, Kyrie's not jumping on some social justice warrior bandwagon now or anything like that. But the thing is, you make a lot of money. And, you know, you make a lot of money, and it's your job. And, you know, it would be more empowering for you to use your voice that you have as opposed to just sort of going underground, right? And, you know, that's the thing. I almost get the feeling like right now with Kyrie Irving that, I don't know, is he going down Kaepernick Road? You know what I mean? Is he going down a road where it's going to be to the point where, you know what, I don't really care about basketball, but he seems to like cashing the checks. That's the thing, Right. And I would be more sympathetic towards Kyrie's plight if he didn't do this stuff all the time. You know what I mean? Like before, you know, it had nothing to do with a bunch of people storming a capital that, you know what, he couldn't get along with LeBron James. It's one of these deals, like they all deserve each other. Like if you look at the players that Brooklyn have now, like, look at Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant won two NBA Final MVPs, played for the Golden State Warriors, was winning championships, um, had a great life, was living in California, had multiple mansions, a $300, uh, million, $300 million shoe deal, and he was unhappy. 
Didn't like his teammates, didn't like Steve Kerr, was unhappy. You look at James Harden. James Harden scores 30 points a game, makes a ton of money, bangs strippers and Instagram models all the time.